You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. You know, that hope that we have. How true this is. You know, even as we're going through our life's experience, you know, as a new day dawns, we have hope of our lives becoming better and better, right? And uh, whatever you're dealing with, with, with each new day dawning, if Christ is ruling over you and is involved in your life, we have a hope for things becoming better. Pastor Mike is going to talk about life in Christ today and how we always have a hope of things getting better. The writer of Lamentation said it this way, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His love and His mercy find us every single morning. And it's His great faithfulness that reminds us of the hope we have in Him. Because you are so loved by God, your hope is secure. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 23 as he continues his message, Famous Last Words. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. So David often operated in the gift of prophecy. At times, he was a prophet. Notice also then in verse 3, he goes on to declare, The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. So David declares God had spoken to him. So all of what is recorded in these first seven verses of chapter 23 were given to him by God. It was a prophecy. It was an utterance of prophecy. You know, but again, the emphasis here is that God had spoken to David. You know, it's a pity, I think, that man has not experienced this for themselves. That is God speaking to their hearts. You know, just the thrill, the joy, you know, when we just get alone together with God and God speaks to us. And what a blessing when we know that God is speaking to us. But I think the problem with many of us is, and we don't experience this for ourselves, is that we just don't take the time to just sit quietly before the Lord, allowing him to speak. You know, we get so wrapped up in everything that's going on in our lives, and rather than just sitting 
and seeking the Lord for answers to our problems. And uh, just want, you know, going through the Word of God, spending some time regularly in the Word of God, seeking God for His counsel. I think that it would serve us well to do that. And I think that it's a pity. And so let me ask you the question. When was the last time that you know without question that God had spoken to you? That you received a revelation from Him? Without question, without doubt, you know that God has spoken to you. So maybe you're going through something right now. Maybe you're dealing with some question as it relates to your life, your experience. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to turn. You don't know what to do. Well, again, just take some time out to sit quietly before the Lord, open up the Bible, and give God an opportunity to speak to you. And what a blessing, what a joy that is, what a thrill that is uh, to know that God is concerned, that God will answer. Well, anyway, David goes on, notice he declares that when God spoke to him, he said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. Now, who is he referring to here? Well, I believe that this is a reference to Jesus, the rock. Jesus, our defense. Jesus, our strength. That smiting rock described for us by Daniel in the second chapter of his book, which dashes the final world government, the ten toes. Remember that image that was erected by King Nebuchadnezzar, and each one of the parts of that image represented a world government, the final world government that would exist prior to Christ's second coming was represented by the ten toes, which also was symbolic of the last world empire that would exist upon the face of the earth, a confederation of ten nations. And many people believe, many Bible teachers believe, that that is a reference to the European common market and that there are a confederation of ten nations that make up that group of that last world empire there. And then, all of a sudden, Daniel goes on to describe that rock becomes a mountain after it dashes the ten toes, after it dashes that image which represents the world governments, and becomes a mountain and fills the whole earth. In fact, Daniel chapter 2 and verse 45, there it is right there. Inasmuch as you saw the stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands, this is a reference to Jesus, a prophetical announcement, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, all of these different world empires that were represented by bronze and iron and gold and, uh, and such, the silver and the gold, the great God has made known to the king which will come to pass after this, the dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. So Jesus, our solid rock. Now also something else that I want to draw your attention to in verses 2 and 3, we have a picture of the Trinity. So this would be something to take special note of, particularly in dealing with and refuting those who suggest that Jesus was not God or that there's only one God, rather than the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Because notice what David says. He, he tells us here, first of all, in verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, that is the Holy Spirit, and his word was on my tongue. Then notice in verse 3, 
he says, the God of Israel said, this is a reference to Jehovah God, the Father. And then lastly, he goes on to declare, and the rock of Israel, who is Jesus, spoke to me. So what we have here is a picture of the Trinity. So I just wanted to draw your attention to that. Arm yourself. That's something good to have in your arsenal to refute those who suggest that there's only one God. Now, what did God speak to David? What did the triune God speak to David? Well, think about it. David was a ruler. He was the king of Israel. And David was aware of his shortcomings of his reign. But the Lord spoke to him about another ruler who was to come. And who was that ruler? It was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who would reign in justice. And so God said of Jesus, and it's recorded for us there in the latter part of verse 3, he who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. Now this is an interesting principle that's recorded for us here. One who rules must be just as far as man is concerned, but he must also be conscious of the fact that he is ruled by God as well. Now, this has been one of the tragedies of human history. A man ruling over men without having a consciousness of God. No accountability towards God. And that has lent itself to, you know, they think of themselves as the final authority. And they rule as a tyrant mastered by their own greed. And the result of those whom they rule over is chaos and slavery. Now, this law of rule also applies in other situations as well. Let me give you a practical example of this. Like, for example, in the marriage relationship, a husband who cannot rule his family unless he is being ruled by Jesus. And if he isn't Rule, being ruled by Jesus under the authority of Jesus Christ, more times than not, he becomes a tyrant. It becomes an intolerable situation. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 11 and verse 3. So this is, this is sort of a, a warning to husbands within the marriage relationship. 1 Corinthians in chapter 11 and verse 3. There we are told the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man. So we want to make sure that this is in its proper order of things. So the husband will not be able to effectively rule their family well unless they're under the authority of Jesus Christ himself. But then notice, David goes on to declare in the first part of verse 4, let's read that, and he, that is Jesus, shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises. Now the idea here is with each new day dawning, there's hope for a better life. That is when he is in control of our lives. Jesus himself said, take my yoke upon you. And how we need the dawning of a new day. That is God's day, his kingdom. You know, that hope that we have. And how true this is. You know, even as we're going through our life's experience, you know, as a new day dawns, we have hope of our lives becoming better. 
and better, right? And uh, whatever you're dealing with, with, with each new day dawning, if Christ is ruling over you and is involved in your life, we have a hope for things becoming better. And so David puts that in this way, the light of the morning sunrise, a reference to Jesus, and how we need the dawning of a new day, God's day, his kingdom, that hope. Well, notice he continues on and he declares, it's as a morning without clouds. Is that your experience in your walk and your relationship with the Lord? It's bright. It's exciting each new day. That anticipation of something special is going to happen. You know, as God takes control of our lives, often turns things around for our blessing. Even this morning, I woke up and it was, and as I got out of my bed and was getting ready to, you know, come to the service this morning, I looked out the window and where I was, it was bright and shiny before the clouds started rolling in. And I was thinking to myself, you know, this is a great day. This is going to be a wonderful day. The sun is shining and, you know, you're anticipating something great happening. But, you know, when I get up in the morning and it's cloudy outside, you know, I, I, I want, I'm thinking immediately, you know, I want to go back to bed and catch a couple of Z's, right, you know? So that's the way that life with Christ is expressed by David here. And how the dark clouds hang over the world today. How we look forward to that clear morning to arise. And that could be our own experience day by day as we walk with the Lord. And then David goes on to declare, notice there in verse 4, he says, the rule of a righteous man is like tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after the rain. So we begin to see all of the beauty, all of the glory, that is when Christ is ruling over us, the colors of life, the newness of life, the opportunities that are given for the expression to people and the freedom of a righteous reign. You see, a good ruler gives the opportunity for beauty to break forth within the community. And such is the case in our own walk with the Lord. But David then goes on to confess. Notice there in the first part of verse 5, he says, my house is not so with God. Now, it's at this point where David is being reflective He knew that he wasn't the kind of ruler he could have been, so he's conscious of his shortcomings. He is conscious of his failures. He's really just being truthful here. He knows that he could have done better. This is very human-like, and I love that about David. He's being very frank, being very transparent. You know, in whatever responsibilities that have been given to us, we would be also able to declare likewise, you know, our own shortcomings, our own failures. So David is just being truthful here. But yet notice, in the latter part of verse 5, he says, he hath made with me an everlasting covenant. Even as God has made an everlasting covenant with us through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, as far as it related to the covenant that God had made with David, It had to do with his seed would not depart from the throne. In other words, it was through his seed and his line that eventually the Messiah, who is Jesus, would come. 2 Samuel in chapter 7, we have the record of 
what God had spoken to David concerning that seed of his and how that his reign would continue throughout eternity. But then notice he goes on there in verse 5, and he says that this covenant is sure. This, uh, David declares, was his hope. It was his salvation. It was his whole desire. That is, in the one Jesus who had come from him and reigned. And then David finishes up here by the declaration of God's judgment, which shall come upon the wicked. Notice in verses 6 and 7. He says, But the sons of rebellion shall all be as thorns thrust away, because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man who touches them must be armed with iron and shaft of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in their place. In other words, what David is trying to communicate to us here is the Lord is in control. No matter what you're going through, no matter how large your enemies may seem, how diabolical they are, listen, just put your trust in the Lord, rest in Him. Don't fret over evil doers. And so David here speaks of the things that are eternal. The reign of the righteous man, who is Jesus, and we look forward to that day, right? Always keep that in front of yourself, who will bring forth glory and beauty to the whole earth. And oh, how we are anticipating and look forward to that day. You know, what a great hope and future each and every one of us have. Oh, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Put an end to all of the things that are going on in the present world today. Make all of the things that are wrong right. But notice he goes on, however, the wicked sons of rebellion, that is, the wicked sons of Satan, will not enjoy that reign, but will be destroyed because they are like thorns. They hurt. They are irritating. And you can't pluck them out, he says, with your hands, because if you do, you're going to get stuck, right? So just leave that to the Lord. Let the Lord take care of that occupation. If you're going to be involved, pick them up with the spear and dump them in the fire, but don't touch them. You know, this reminds me of what one particular individual said about the cults. And I quote, they have some good points, and that's the way that they get people to join them, but, so, but he goes on to declare, but so do cactuses. Don't embrace them. And if you do, you're going to get stuck. And so anyway, the wicked will be destroyed, but the righteous shall reign. That's our desire, our hope. Our salvation is in the righteous one, Jesus, who will, and I want to emphasize that word, will come and reign. And so what we have before us here is the last words of David. Words of hope to those who will trust in God. Listen, we don't have to wait to enter into that kingdom. The reign of Christ has already begun. He has established that kingdom in the hearts and lives of his people. And so as we close out this morning's message, let me ask you a couple of questions. What will be your final words that you will speak at the end of your life? Will they be words of peace 
and hope, assurance, love for God and for man. Will there be a sense of release knowing that the best is yet to come? You can, that is if you place your hope and trust in the rock of Israel. Has the rock of Israel been speaking to you this morning? Well, in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 11, in verses 28 through 30, Jesus said, Come all of you unto me who labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And let me lead you in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for these words that are recorded for us here, these last words of David. Father, that just serve as an encouragement for each and every one of us. Father, we thank you that, Father, we are being raised, Lord, under your watchful eye. Lord, that you are orchestrating all of the details of our our lives. Lord, bringing us to that desired end. Lord, bringing us to our complete and full potential. Lord, help us to work in concert together with you. Father, whether it's our our calling as parents in our homes, our business, the ministry of the church, Father, whatever it is. Lord, we want to reach that full potential. Lord, we want to be used by you. Lord, as we look back upon our lives, we want to have left a great legacy behind. Father, we want to have touched many people in their own lives experience. Lord, do that. Lord, we want our our lives to really have counted for something. Lord, use us. Continue to work through us. Father, we thank you. Lord, help us to take time out regularly, to spend that time just sitting quietly before you, allowing you to speak. Lord, we, we pray that in times of trouble we wouldn't be overcome by our difficulties. Lord, that we wouldn't open up our our hearts, Lord, to fear. But Lord, we would just, Father, sit quietly before you, open up our Bibles and allow you to speak those words of encouragement and strength. Lord, remind us, Lord, in times like that, of what we've learned here. And Father, always we pray that you're coming back for your church and establishing your kingdom upon the earth is always before us. And Father, we pray that that is what we would put our trust and our hope in. Father, we thank you. And now, Lord, we pray that as we close out this service, that you would receive our worship and that it would be pleasing unto you. For we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my... We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of 2 Samuel. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can listen online, just go to the Resources tab. Otherwise, you can find them on oneplace.com and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Venizio. 
viewing our recent services can be an option as well through Vimeo. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House with Mike Finizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You get directions and service times at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram too. Just follow the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today. And we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House. There's a place for